Hey guys, today I'm being joined by Dean Thomas, former MMA fighter and uh, one of the coach of Tyrone Woodley and Gillian Robertson, who have two fights coming up in the next weeks. So we're going to talk about this, a little bit about his background and a lot about coaching. So here's the interview. Have fun. Don't forget to support the fight side. Thank you so much for everyone who support us. Much love. Normally, most people that interview, they start uh, martial arts pretty early in their life. You started pretty late, actually, if I'm correct. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I started when I was like, when I was like 19. So, I mean, it seems like it was pretty late because, you know, like nowadays you can start when you're like 10. But like I started when I was 19. Um, but I mean, I'm 43 now, so it doesn't seem like it was. So it seemed like it was a long time ago. So I guess I started late, but I'm so old that I can't even tell. So what brought you to martial arts? Uh, well, you know, I was a small guy, you know, in high school, I weighed about 120 pounds, you know, so I was so small and I never wanted to get my ass kicked, really. <laughs> That was it. I just, I never wanted to get beat up. And then when I saw the UFC, UFC 2, and I saw Hoist Gracie beating everybody up, I said, man, you know, if a small guy can do this, I have to learn how to do this because I don't ever want to be in the street and get beat up. And that's still the reason why I practice a little bit today just enough so I don't get my ass kicked in the street. I don't want to be on no video talking about world star. <laughs> I understand. And uh, so jujitsu was the first thing you went into? Kind of, yeah. It was the first thing that really attracted me to like doing jujitsu. But, um, you know, I, I would like play around with like slap boxing in the street, you know, with my friends and playing around. But, you know, the first thing that I really did was kind of, was, was kind of jujitsu, but, But we were all self-taught back then. You know, we didn't have jujitsu schools everywhere. There wasn't mm -hmm. an MMA school on every corner. So we had to buy videotapes and just teach ourselves how to do it. And you were already in Florida, right? When you started? Yeah, I was in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I was in Florida. So, uh, and when did you realize that you were pretty good at it and that you can become uh, like a pro fighter? How long did it took? Well, um, I re like when I first, I did a tournament. Like I first did this like open tournament where you paid money to enter this tournament. It was a shoot fighting tournament. And I took second place. And that's when I kind of realized, wow, I, I can actually compete in this. But there was still no opportunities for small fighters. Like there was nothing. So there was nothing like, oh, you can be a professional fighter at this. So when we were doing amateur shoot fighting, that's what I thought we were going to be able to do. And then when more shows started, regional shows started popping up and we started doing these shows, it was like, okay, we're going to, we can fight and make a little bit of money, but we never thought it would be a career doing this. Who, no one thought we would have a career doing this. Yeah. You, you're kind of like in the same timeline as like uh, BJ Penn, James Pulver. Yeah. They were yeah. like a very, very good fighter, but like struggle to get like a legit organization that can promote them. And um, actually you fought James Pulver pretty early in your career. Yeah. I fought both of them early. I fought James and like, like 2000 and BJ in like 2001. Yeah, I think BJ was your UFC debut. Yeah, my <laughs> UFC debut. I was Pretty actually, cool. you know, the funny, the, the story is I was supposed to fight Genki Sudo. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he got hurt like three weeks out and then they brought BJ in. Changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite the short notice uh, fight to have back in then. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, yeah, just talking about a little bit about your career. So people know your career. It's dope. You got, you did a lot of great stuff. 
And uh, so you fought not only in the UFC, actually, you fought in many, many different organizations. And if it was nowadays, you'd probably be like a, a, one of the lightweight with the most fight, if it was still in those days. Uh, just about your, I just want to talk about your fighting style and how much it helped you coaching. And uh, even when you were a fighter, did you realize that you would make a great coach too? That you had like a gift for coaching more than maybe expressing? No, not really. But the thing is, like, you got to understand, like, back in the mid, back in the 90s and early 2000s, nobody knew anything. So we all kind of had to teach ourselves how to do this. And anybody that I trained with, I had to teach them how to fight so that they could train with me. So I had, uh, I was always teaching people as I was coming up. So as, for as long as I've been a fighter, I had to teach people how to do it so I could train with them. So it make, it makes coaching easy now because I know how I understand that people learn differently and I understand how people learn. Um, but the, the re I think the reason why I have a gift for coaching now is because I didn't start with a background. I didn't start off with wrestling or boxing or jujitsu really. So I don't filter my information through that because a lot of coaches, like if you start from a kickboxing background, you're going to filter your MMA knowledge through kickboxing and, and always assume that, okay, we need to keep it up on our feet because we're kickboxing. For me, I always, I, I started with everything and I had to teach myself boxing. I had to teach myself wrestling. I had to teach. So I, I taught myself how to do all those little different things. And I had no base. I had no base. So Even now, as I'm coaching, I coach without a base. I don't have a base. I go, this is what works because it works. Not because it's because I'm a wrestler and this is a wrestling, you know, I want you to wrestle. I have no base. So I do everything from every perspective. That's great. Actually, what you say makes sense when I watch some of your fights. Like before this interview, I tried to be professional. We watch some of your fights. And um, actually, we almost a few days short of your, it would be like 13 years that you fought Jeremy Stevens. In a few days, wow. and and that fight was great. And uh, yeah. I rewatched the other. And when you say it, it's kind of funny because at the time you fought like early 2000s until you retired in 2014, 13, 13. Well, it was like it was my last fight was in 13, but it was 14 when I retired. You know, it was at the time where you were still like people introduce fighter as is a BGG guy, is a boxer, is a kickboxer. Where now it's different. Everybody is like all one fighter. We can say. Yeah. And you, actually, even though you had like you had great Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you were still an all-around fighter. You had good striking. But the most important was you were able to walk in transition. For example, yeah. you know, it happened so many times in MMA that you have like a great uh, Jiu-Jitsu fighter but like lacks the takedown. And yeah. often they just fight kickboxing because they don't have the, the skills and the craft to take people down. And it's very frustrating to watch. And you actually... I remember the first time you took Jeremy Stevens down, you realized pretty early that he was going to parry and counter everything you saw at him. So after a series of jabs, you saw like a right hand from the rear hand and you shift, ducked under his counter and shot a double leg from Southpaw. And then you went yeah. from like the guard to half guard to back control. That's your stuff. But what I yeah, like is that yeah. at the time, there weren't many people that will go, okay, I will shift boxing technique to the double leg it will be now i'm just gonna get until i close the distance get the clinch and walk from there and so as you coach like Gillian robertson she's someone who comes from grappling you, you kind of i guess it must help you 
when you coach her to have like this background for you to be in one of the first one who's like kind of able to really mix the martial arts yeah and, and that's what i'm saying is that um you know i've always had that inclination to to have the transitions involved in what i was doing i never like i said i never learned wrestling from a wrestling perspective i only learned it from a martial arts perspective i never learned really boxing from a from a traditional perspective i learned it in the context of mma so i had to learn and how to transition little things and right now i'm still developing different systems and different things to do that i can stay ahead of people because i feel like i was ahead of people back then with my ideas so now i have to be deeper i have to think deeper and explore more areas to be better than people so it's tough though because you know everybody's catching up but it's so it's tough yeah and i think it's still it's still great for fighters to have like one domain where they are like the best you know like like an adesanya one on kickboxing is really what he did for so long that he always will have an edge but he incorporate pretty well with the with the grappling and um yeah yeah like, like nowadays you know like a kid for example someone uh, at the age of your son he can learn mma directly He doesn't have to go just to a BJJ school or just to a kickboxing school. He can just learn MMA directly because, <clears throat> like I talked with some other fighters who had like a boxing background or wrestling background, and they said they always realize pretty quick in the gym that being only a good wrestler will get you nowhere. Yet you need to be able to defend the strikes and everything. And so um, I was wondering, uh, you talked about this like a few years ago, that you give a different profile to different type of fighter, like you consider yourself an artist and that you also find like yes. the fighter or the athlete. How long does it take you to realize yes. what type of profile do you have in front of you? Well, sometimes you can, you'll know like once you meet them, <laughs> you know, uh, but like the, similar, like the first time you watch them train live, you kind of get an idea of what they are. You're just watching them move, Uh, watching how competitive they are what, and talking to them and just learning more about their personality because fighting is, is merely an extension of your personality. And if you're a competitive person, you're going to be a competitive fighter. If you are an aggressive person, you'll be an aggressive fighter. If you are, uh, you know, an artistic person, you're going to be an artistic fighter. So I think that just talking to people, getting to know them, and that's kind of the reason why I decided to do the coaching the way I'm doing it now is so that I can really get to know my fighters and make it a lot easier because I, you know, it's just tough when you don't really get to know somebody. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, Moussin Corbray, and we were talking about how, um, you know, God, fighters don't want you to corner them and you don't know them. And you're just like, man, I, I can't corner you if I don't know you because I don't know what you do. I don't know what, what, what you do from different positions. So it's hard to corner somebody if you don't really know them. So it's, For me, it's best to know somebody in order to be able to work with them because I just it's more than just throwing punches and kicks. So I guess that's that's the reason also why you probably prefer training someone who doesn't know anything to start everything from the beginning. Yeah, preferably, preferably. Hope, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like somebody to start from the beginning who has a background in some type of sports, though, maybe you know, basketball or gymnastics or something. Somebody who's played some sport before. Yeah, like a good athlete who wants to, to learn fighting yeah. is great for you. Yeah, you have to have the yeah. athleticism a little yeah. bit, some basis for sure. And yeah. so, yeah, so I don't know, I forgot how many fighters you, you coached during your time at ATT, but I know you're trying a lot with 
Taron Woodley, of course. Uh, Amanda Nunes at some point. Gillian Robertson, since she was pretty young. Yeah. Uh, did you, can you name other fighter that you trained that I would have forgot recently? Um, uh, Greg Hardy. Okay. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. was one of my guys. Christoph Yako was one of my guys. Um, well, uh, at some level, I worked with a lot with almost everybody at different levels. You know, like a guy like Pedro Munoz, I used to do his the scouting for his for the, his opponents. So, like he'd have an opponent, I'd scout them for him. Um, same thing with Hani Yaya, I would scout opponents for these guys. Um, but so I had my main group of guys that I worked with, and then a lot of young guys that I tried to develop coming up. So I worked this, I started working with younger fighters so that again, I can build relationships with them. But the problem was I couldn't build the relationship with them under the structure that we had of the team, which so that was one of the reasons why I left. Yeah, uh, I don't want to, I understood that pretty well when you, when you mentioned it in some articles that I read before, why you left ATT and I understood what you meant, that you want to spend time with less person, but just work more with them than being like just in a, in a big factory where you just do the same work every day and people change all the time. Yeah, yeah, you, that didn't do it for me. Yeah, I understand. This makes sense to me also. <laughs> but yeah. you mentioned Pedro Munoz. Uh, he's one of my favorite fighters. I had like an interview with him not too long ago. What profile did you give him? Would you think he's an artist or like a fighter, competitor? Oh, Pedro was a fighter. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to be Pedro, sure. Pedro was a fighter. <laughs> you know, with, with, uh, people, I, I love watching him train because he trains so hard and he'll go so hard with guys and he won't, like, he won't even be mad. He'll just be like, oh, this stuff, I thought we were training like this. So it, it, he's he's a fighter, man. I love watching him fight. He he comes to fight, man. He loves to go forward. I, I think he's a great fighter. He's he's a pure fighter at heart. Yeah, his style is super cool to watch, of course. And uh, yeah, he's actually one of the rare fighters nowadays who spar pretty hard. Now yeah. people tend to spar pretty lightly. And you know, that's another thing. If you don't know your fighter, you don't know how much sparring he should do or not do. Some people, they love it. And some people, they don't. And if you don't spar, you kind of lose timing. So it's very, there isn't a formula to coach someone. You need to get to know them. And I feel people, they forget this a lot. Yeah, it's tough, you know. And that's, again, like when, when, when you force fighters to train a certain way, you're not going to get the best out of them because everybody is a little bit different. It's like you can't teach, you know, you can't teach a, a fish to, to climb a tree. And if you try to, you, you know, it's gonna, it won't happen. You can't do it. So... And that's what happens with fighters. Like sometimes you got fighters and you're like, well, we work really hard, but if this guy's an artist, he might not work that hard. Honestly, like some people, when you think about it, like some people can't work that hard because, and, and they, they shouldn't work that hard because it's going to make them worse because they're maybe more artistic and creative and you're going to get more out of them by not working them as hard. Because at the end of the day, the fight's still only 15 minutes. It's not a life or death fight to the end. It's going to be 15 minutes. What you need to get out of them is the best 15 minutes. So, but when you force people to, to train a certain way, you don't get the best out of them. You actually make them worse. Yeah, like I think you mentioned, like, like for example, someone we could believe is like a fighter, was actually an artist, was like Amanda Nunes, who actually yeah. she'd like to be left alone and do her own stuff. And on fight night, she's here always. Yeah, you see, you see what I'm saying? Like, when they trained her to be a fighter, like a fighter, 
that was like when she fought like Kat Zingano. And then when she fought, like she wasn't fighting to her true self. She wasn't doing her true. What She's was saucing true. stuff, yeah. Yeah. So she would get tired and she'd get really nervous and she'd, she'd panic. But when she said, you know what, I'm going to do my thing the way I want to do it. And I'm, she's, very, she's competitive, too. So she's a competitor and an artist. So when she, when she fights, she needs to be able to, ex, to express that. And when she does, she's great. When she doesn't, she gets tired and she panics and she gets tired. Yeah. And so for, now that you left uh, American Top Team after a lot of years, uh, I guess you're still going to coach a lot of them, right? Like you're still going to work with Gillian. Yeah I'm, still, yeah, I'm still working with her. Is still like working with her. Yeah, Greg Hardy, we're still supposed to work together. Uh, Shorty Torres, Josh Smith. I got a couple of them that, that I still, still want to work with me that I still will work with. But, again, I, like, I don't want to cause no bad blood or feel – or I don't want them to think like I'm stealing, you know, trying to steal fighters well, or anything like that because that wasn't my intention. No, it definitely didn't feel it was like this. It felt like it was just time to go. Like, I tell you, it's funny because – when I started to to um, make interview from people from like ATT, so there was like Pedro Munoz, Phil Dau, and now since then Phil Dau left, and you and you split with them. So, but he said he was still open to work with other fighters. So I figured you you will be open too. And uh, so let's go to the point. Uh, Gillian Robertson, she has a fight on June 20, mm-hmm. finally against Courtney Casey. Yeah. So I guess once you get the Woodley fight, when after the Woodley fight, you go back to Florida to work with her in our camp. Yeah, yeah. So um, the thing is, like me and Jillian, since I left the team, me and her like really started to connect, and I've been working with her every day, like twice a day, almost every day. The first time I went to camp with Tyron, we went to St. Louis. Me and Jillian went together, so she stayed with us. So she stayed in camp. But the last two weeks, I, I left her here because, you know, I wanted to really focus on Tyron, so I, I didn't want to be distracted with her. But um, so, but I'm going to, you know, next week's Tyron's week, and then when I get back, I got three weeks for Jillian. So, I mean, we're, we're going to get to work. And, but we like the matchup. You know, I think I, I like Courtney Casey. I think she's a great girl. But, you know, this, you know we got to fight. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I know I, I interviewed Jillian maybe – Three weeks ago, I forgot, three weeks or one month ago. And she had nothing but praise for you every time we mentioned technical stuff or, or training. And, uh, and she's, she's, uh, she really has a good profile for the division because on the ground, except maybe Chevchenko, I don't think many people can, can deal with her. She's like you were, like very creative, very daring on the ground. And at the same time, as she's learning striking step by step, she don't try... Uh, stuff too complicated like she improved pretty well I feel through the years like to get a jab we start to to get some going to set up stuff to have some lateral movement and she said lately she worked a lot on her striking can you talk a little bit about it yeah well the thing is you know it's a process everything is a process and you can't go too fast with the process depending on how athletic they are she's not I mean she's she, she never played sports before so she's not the most athletic person so jujitsu is the best art for somebody who's not that athletic <laughs> because it's less dynamic. It's on the ground. Um, so on the feet, you know, we try to keep things simple. We just try to make sure she stays in position. She's got good balance. You know, she doesn't lose, lose her balance and she doesn't get out of position. Make sure her defense is good. And then make sure that when she does 
execute offense is that it's effective. And if it's not, let's just get back to position. Let's not comp overcomplicate things. And, you know, I watch a lot of other different fighters too, you know, to kind of build off of d different styles, you know, and there's some fighters who we kind of looked at and said, you know, we're going to have a style kind of like this, you know, Damian Maya. We looked at him and said, you know what, Damian Maya has been very successful with, with what he had and what he did. Um, Gunnar Nelson, another one, very successful with what he had, his skill set and what he did. And those seem to, to work for Jillian. And that's, you know, we can't, I don't want to change her too much. I can't turn her into a pure striker. She's not, she's not dynamic enough. Yeah. So we're just going to work with what we have. And that's my point, actually. She doesn't need to become a pure striker to win. No. It's great. It's great no. if she improves and she, and the defense striking and she gets better striking. It's good. But I feel so many times people, and it, it goes by to what you said before, they don't really like understand what works and doesn't work. And like, you know, if you take a girl like Ronda Rousse years ago, she kind of fell in love with boxing. But if she would have become just a master at getting in the clinch with her judo background, she would get everyone on the ground. And even if she become a better wrestler instead of a striker, she would have way more success than she had. And I feel Jillian, she needs to learn, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. And sometimes, you know, people, I feel yeah, they don't understand. Sure. So, yeah, you know, for sure. So when you when Amanda fought, you, uh, when Amanda fought her, I, I scouted Rhonda and I said, you know, you know, most of the girls who fought Rhonda put themselves in bad positions. You know, they ran right at her. I was, I was like, you know, Rhonda doesn't shoot. Rhonda, Rhonda doesn't shoot double legs. So, like, you don't have to worry about her shooting. She's going to come right at you. So she's easy to hit. And she can't box. She's easy to hit. So we knew, I knew that was going to be an easy fight for Amanda. And I was like, wow, this is – I, sh I should have put my – bet my house on that fight. Yeah, I didn't bet that fight, but I picked Amanda to win inside two rounds because I was like – she actually, Amanda, she, her punches are, seems to be very powerful when she's at the end of the punch, when she caught people at the end of it. And I was like, you just need to fight long, yeah. stay as far away as those hips as you can. That's the only part you should be worried about, Wanda, is her hips. So you don't want to be near her hips and yeah. you don't want her to grab you. So if you keep long, you'll be just fine. And of course she did. <laughs> yeah, we worked on that. And that was, that, that was some of the things we worked on was like, when she grabbed you, just keep your hips away. You know, just don't grab her. Like, all the other girls, grab Ronda back. Like, don't grab her back. Just frame and keep your hips away. Yeah. And I feel, but probably because of you and everything, Jillian, she does have the understanding that nobody asked her to become Adesanya. Nobody asked her to be that great. It's like you just get people to the ground. And actually, her wrestling is pretty good. Like, she, she developed, like, a good single leg. Yeah. She's able to transition from single to double leg. She'll go have like that outside trip that she does pretty well. And she even tried that arm drag against Molly McCann. That was, but at least it showed me that she, she, she has confidence in her wrestling. And uh, so now that uh, you're not with ATD, do you think she will still work her wrestling with the American top team, the wrestling coach there? Or do you still work with her? Um. I'm still going to work with her. I don't, I don't know. Again, like once it's the, once the gyms open back up and, you know, the, the world gets semi back to normal, we'll have a better understanding of what's going to happen. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think that she's going to do what's best for her. And if training down there is better, then I'm going to recommend that she does that. But for me, because it's not about me. Like, I don't really care. Like, what I want to do is I want to see the fighters get good 
at any at any cost. So if, if I can find a you know some wrestling for her, I will. But if I think that it's better for her to go down there and wrestle, then I'll work that out. But because again, it's all about the fighter. You know, I, I'm not going to limit the fighter to what they can do to be the best. So I'll I'll send her somewhere if I need to and go. Hey, train with this person to develop this skill. Train with that person. Then come on back. But you know, I'm not going to limit my the people that I work with because, like, I'm trying to build this Dean Thomas team. That's not what I want. I just want the people that I work with to be the best they can be. To say that, yeah, to be, there is no point in being like, I don't want to train there or there. Just go, whatever. We can get better. And, uh, yeah, actually, I think the Courtney Casey fight is a pretty good matchup for her. Yeah, I mean, Courtney, Courtney's tough. She comes to fight. She's She never really gets shut out or beat up. You know, like, she's a tough girl. and. You know, she's a sweet girl too. I've I've seen her at different shows, and you know, I've, you know, I like her. I think she, you know, and I, I like her camp. She trains at the labs with John Crouch and I, and yeah. I love that camp. So, you know, I, and I just I love this game. And for me, it's never about like beef or you know being mad at the opponent or hating the opponent or talking trash about the opponent. In fact, I like I like everybody that we fight, and I would prefer that because we're trying to make money together. And at the end of the day, like. If I don't like you, I don't want to fight you and help you get paid. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. I'm not going to let you get paid. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, I want to see them go out there and just, you know, fight a good fight and see what happens. Yeah, I understand. I have nothing against Courtney Casey, and I'm not in anybody's camp, so I don't have to pick anyone. I don't have to be biased. That's why I like my position here. But I just yeah. think it's a good it's a good place for for um, good matchup for Jan just because Courtney, she doesn't necessarily always have the good takedown defense. And she turned to back up a bit, easily. And I yeah. feel maybe if Gillian get to this level, as soon as she can draw reaction from Courtney, she can just time the jab and go under it. We'll see what happens, but it's a good fight for sure. Yeah. I like and it. the other fight, so you got time to prepare this one. It's like in one month. The other fight I was a bit surprised that happened is the Woodley who fought uh, Gilbert Burns in eight days, seven days from now. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I feel, if I'm correct, Tyron was supposed to fight Leon Edwards in March. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell me, how does it work to stay in shape, in fighting shape for so long? Like, now it's been two months. So, did they have to dip down a little bit to go back up? No. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is I, you know, Tyron started his camp in Thailand uh, months ago, like November, December. He started in Thailand. Um, then he came back, and then we, you know, we got together a few times, and he's been training ever since. And through, throughout this whole training process, he realized that he likes training all the time. Like, he, he feels like he's a better person when he's kind of always in camp and training. And, I, and I, you know, being at American Top Team, that's what we do. That's what everybody does in camp, like, year-round. And I, and I was like, you should be, you know, you can't, you don't want to take time off and then just, you know, you get a fight and then start training, stay in shape. So I think that all of this has helped him. He, he, he's got better rhythm, better timing. You know, he's more focused on, on the fight as opposed to just like trying to fit everything in. Like, like when he fought Usman, I felt like he was, he, he was trying to be everything at once. He was wearing so many different hats and at a high level too wearing so many different hats, it was very difficult. But I, he still wears a lot of hats. But I think right now he's keeping the MMA hat on. And he'll put another hat on every once in a while, but the MMA hat comes first. 
And I think he realized that. So being in camp this whole time has been nothing but good for him. Yeah, and that's part of knowing your fighter, you know, like and them being self-aware and knowing what's best for them. Because you can have like people who need that time off, some that don't. But yeah, actually, regarding of the result, whatever happened next Saturday, I hope Tyrone will be able to get some fight going on to become active again because through the injuries and problem with matchmaking, he, he, unfortunately, he hasn't fought too much lately. And I feel for a guy like him, it's important to fight a lot of time in a year. Yeah, that's what, and that's what we want too. Like he said, he was hoping to have fought Leon and somebody like he wants to fight three times like this summer. He's like, yo, I want to just keep fighting. And I want him to. Like the way he's training now is, is incredible. Like he's doing round after round after round and running. And I mean, it's crazy to watch him just go do so much. And then I go, man, you're too sore. He's like, nah, I'm all right. You tired? Nah, I'm all right. Let's do it again. I'm like, God, he's wearing, he's wearing us out. Like I can't bring enough people in because he's wearing us out. What type of fighter, what type of profile does he have then? Tyron is, he's an athlete and an artist. That was what I was going to say. I was going to say he's an artist behind like a big athlete. Yeah. For, for, and I think actually, coming back to what you said, uh, I, I don't own as you do, but I, I feel he's probably an artist who fought like a fighter a bit too much in his career. Yeah, that was it. You know, like other when times where he hadn't had success is when he wasn't really expressing his art. He was out there trying to be a fighter, thinking that he had to fight. And I'm like, no, you're an artist. Go out there and express your art. And that's to do what you do. Get some movement going and do what you do. You don't have to be a fighter. You're not a fighter. You, he's a, at, at times he can be a competitor, a pretty good competitor. Yeah. But he's an artist and an athlete. So let's use that. And obviously, everyone is a bit of everything. It's not just being one stuff it's just what's more important but yeah i get you and uh, yeah his opponent gilbert burns is actually a very very good opponent it's a great fight and uh, yeah I, I like i like the fight i think gilbert's a good fighter he's da he's a very dangerous fighter you know he's a good grappler he's explosive he's got good power um it's a, it's a difficult fight for anybody you know he's and and it's hard because like nobody really knows who he is so it's not really a lot of upside in terms of yeah. you know tyrant's popularity so It's a difficult fight. Like Gilbert's got nothing to lose. Tyron has everything to lose. But uh, yeah. so, but I try to reframe that. I always try to look at the perspectives, different perspectives. So when we look at it like Gilbert has nothing to lose, Tyron has everything to lose. I said no, Gilbert has something to lose. He's got teeth. Let's knock his fucking teeth out. Sorry about And, that. Uh, yeah, that's why I think I thought there's a good chance that Gilbert start pretty aggressive the fight, and that Tyron needs to be to make him respect his power to get like more even. But I'm very, very excited to see it. I did not expect that fight to happen. And uh, I hope they can get to the ground. I don't know if it will happen because it's tough to get Tyron to the ground by yourself. But, uh, but I hope we get some exchange on the ground. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's always exciting, man. Like, that's the one thing I like about this game is it, you know, it's, it happens on the spot and it's always exciting. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, you anticipate, you anticipate that it happens. And, Then do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's and and the memories that you make, you know, being involved in this is just is priceless. And I can't I can't put a price tag on the career I've had. Yeah, and you also said something. Uh, I'm gonna let you go here after this, but you also said something that that I like a lot. When you said, you know, winning and losing, everybody wants to win, but it's get way more important than that. When you will be like super hold, you don't care which fight you lost, which one you win. It's just the memories you get, the people you meet. 
And I think people, they forget this often, that you just need also to enjoy what you do and that the winning and losing is not that important. It's not the most important. It's not. Of your you know, it's, it's not, not that important. It, it, because, and I thought it was. And when you start thinking like that, then you start to have, you know, then you start to get nervous and you start to get tired and panic. And, you know, like you just, you can't think of it that way. You got to stay in the moment, enjoy the moment and just have as much fun as you can with this and, and make as much money as you can when you can because it doesn't last forever and if you just if you're so concerned with winning and losing and you know and, and this guy and that guy you know you're going to have a worse career i i know that for a fact i agree <laughs> thank you very much dean for the time uh hopefully maybe after Jinan's fight we can talk again or in the future that would be great Absolutely. You got my number. You got my, you got my yeah, name. I got everything. Got Thank everything. you so much for the time. And uh, good luck next weekend. And um, have some fun, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Stay safe. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take it easy. I will.